Hiya. Thanks so much for tuning in to this recording. In this one, I'm going to be talking about satya. Satya is a Sanskrit word that means truth. This word is mentioned twice in Patanjali's Yoga Sutras and both of those times in the second chapter. And so I just want to spend some time kind of looking at this word and looking at you know, how it pertains to us, basically. So in Sutra 30 of Chapter 2, Patanjali says, Ahimsa, Satya, Asteya, Brahmacharya, Aparigraha, Yamaha. So he's basically here, if we look at the English translation, saying that the Yamas are non-violence, truthfulness, refraining from stealing, celibacy, and the absence of greed or lack of greed, or also translated to mean the, the renunciation of unnecessary possessions. Now, in previous sutras, which I haven't covered yet, he actually presents the eight limbs of yoga. And remember that chapter two is very much concerned with those of us who um, have fairly busy minds and are working towards establishing ourselves in yoga and in the practice. So he says in previous uh, sutras that there are eight limbs that we need to become aware of and practice. And the first limb he gives us are the yamas. Now, those of you who've listened to me talk before, you'd know that Things are presented in terms of their um, level of importance in the sutras. So the things that are mentioned first are of most importance. Now, of all the eight limbs, the yamas are mentioned first. So it would be fair to conclude that our accomplishments in the practice of yoga on our path to becoming yogis, are very much limited by how well we manage to establish ourselves in the yamas. Now, I've just read the translation of the yamas, Sutra 30, Chapter 2. The first one he gives is ahimsa, which is translated to nonviolence. The second one he gives is satya, truthfulness. There will be a follow-up recording on non-violence, and I will briefly talk about it here, but the main one I'm concerning myself with today is Satya. So I've just established the importance of, of that, hopefully. Um, you know, of all of the yamas, it's, it's probably one of the more challenging ones to establish ourselves in because of the way we're living at the moment. So if we look at Vyasa's commentary on this concept of truth, he actually presents this to be one's words, thoughts and actions being in exact correspondence to fact. 
He goes on to say, speech is for the transferal of one's knowledge to others and should not be deceitful, misleading, or devoid of value. That last one's a key point, devoid of value. I don't know how many of us manage to really establish ourselves in that, but in any case. He then also says that speech should be for the benefit of all creatures and not for their harm. Truth must not cause harm to others. And so this is where Ahimsa comes in as being the first yama that's mentioned. So it, if you're ever confused about, you know, what, what to do in a situation, we always put nonviolence at the forefront, followed by the other yamas, and truth being the second one. So, you know, we really should spend some time reflecting on how much of what we actually say is being said in order to gain or achieve something. Because, you know, we... I think we walk around so much of the time just very unconscious and unaware of how or where our words are coming from. Much of the time there's an underlying value or want or desire or aversion that is driving a particular thought that then drives the action of speech. And I think we see this a lot in environments where we might feel somewhat threatened as well or as though we're being um, kind of assessed on our performance in some way. So I'll give you an example. If we're in a work environment, work situation, and I'm sure we've all we've all seen it before, there are individuals who will give compliments and give compliments to very select people in the work environment. So they might, you know, to the manager or you know, the director of the company or whatever the case is, but someone who's higher up say, you know, oh, I love your X, Y, and Z. I love your pants. I love your shoes or really take the time to lavish compliments on that individual and not really realize that that humans are actually quite intelligent we sense when someone's bullshitting us so this idea of being truthful really extends from the smallest phrase sentence interaction to the largest you know 
circumstances which we might find ourselves in. So I would even argue that it's the small situations in which we're constantly reading and analysing individuals and their ability to be truthful. So how often do you catch yourself saying something that's true but also very unkind? That's the other thing we often struggle with. I know personally I do. I find myself justifying certain truths because they're true but in that truth potentially hurting somebody else's feelings or ego. And so best to say something truthful that's also kind. And intention has a huge um, intimate relationship with truth because Sometimes we can say truths that might be somewhat hurtful, but because the intention is good, it's pure, it can be received, in fact, in a really positive way and create some level of transformation for the individual which is receiving that truth. For example, in the mentorship, which a lot of you take part in, you know, much of that is... Um, you know, me as a teacher mirroring truths that I might see in you. So there might be words, phrases, patterns of behavior that are present that you're coming to me with. And, you know, realizing these things can be very painful, but because they're done in such a way that's you know, caring, genuinely wanting um, good and learning and wanting to see you move forward, they're often received in a very positive way with a very positive light. So there is an art to truth-telling, you know, very easy to just drop a bomb and then leave the person with it. And then, you know, that's the thing, you know, it's kind of like, oh, well, it's, you know, it's the truth. It's their problem. Now they can deal with it. This is not the practice of satya. This is not how it's done. It's done very consciously. We need to be very aware of our intention and the power of our words because words are extremely powerful. We want to try and act instead of react. Now, how do we do that? How do we do this? And especially when we're tired, sick, overworked, stressed, off balance. You know, and I always talk about this concept of creating space. You know, in those times, we want to identify, I am feeling such a way and if at all, at those times, really avoiding any intense interaction that may lead us to say something that we later regret. 
create space. If someone triggers something in you, if you feel strong, intense emotion, know that it's based on some sort of expectation that you have of that person, that individual, and create the space. Say, you know what, I'd love to have this conversation with you, but right now I don't feel at my best to have this conversation. Let's have some time, let's have some space, and let's come back to this when some of the reflection's been done and the emotion is not driving the conversation. Now, could you imagine... Very, very hard to do in a heated situation. Very hard to do. But imagine if we did. Imagine if we approached our loved ones in that way instead of lashing out. Remember that our words should be for the benefit of all creatures and not for their harm. How many times do we think to ourselves, oh, next time (laughs) I'm going to say X, Y, and Z. That'll get them. You know, how dare they say that to me? Next time I'm going to tell them this and that. Hmm. We should never speak bluntly, even if it is truthful to anyone about their shortcomings. And this is something else that's presented in the philosophy, in the sutras and the commentaries on the sutras. They also talk about this idea of practicing satya, practicing truth, being extended to avoiding overindulging in untruthful fictional pastimes like Um, reading fictional books and reading or watching fictional television, I, I guess. I mean, back then there was no television, but you could apply it to today. How much time do we spend indulging in basically rubbish? I don't, um, it's one of the things that everyone's always quite shocked. I don't watch television. I don't have my TV really connected. But occasionally I do get hooked on a TV show, most recent one being um, Power, the one that's um, produced by 50 Cent on um, Stan. Now, I don't even have Stan, but a good very good friend of mine does and she sat me down and said oh you've got to watch this first episode of this series it's so good blah 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 and within the first episode I was hooked (laughs) you know get hooked into the story hooked into then spending hours and hours watching you know three seasons of this television show and this is the nature of watching television you know you sit down how many of us do this sit down and we're like oh well I have half an hour I'll just watch half an hour and then I'll get to doing something more productive and then two or three hours later you're still in front of the television still in front of the computer 
you know, and you can very easily do this on YouTube and whatever else, Facebook, same, same. It's all the same. It's just this overindulgence in rubbish and filling the mind with rubbish. And so, you know, really needing to screen what is going in. You know, what are we investing our time in? Could that time be better invested? And um, certainly in some of the commentaries on the sutras, um, it's stated that a yogi is always contemplating truths and that yogis don't occupy the mind with trivia and fantasy and daydreaming and imagination. And certainly a lot of the fictional stuff that we indulge ourselves in really does send us down that rabbit hole of imagination and and daydreaming and wandering and all of that stuff. So, you know, if we're looking to establish ourselves in the practice of truth, then needing to monitor what's going out and also what's coming in. And I I think that we're also now living in a time where um, young kids are more and more exposed to iPads and just accessing stuff constantly. Um, And there's less and less time being invested in actually being outdoors and experiencing nature and experiencing um, movement and being part of our environment because our environment is becoming what we're experiencing in the iPad, in the computer. When we look at the second sutra where truth is mentioned, that's uh, chapter 2, sutra 36. Patanjali says, Satya Pratishtayam Kriya Fala Ashrayatvam. When one is established in truthfulness, one ensures the fruition of actions. Now, this is an interesting sutra because he's exclusively dealing with truthfulness and he talks about this um, fruition of actions. So if we look at the amount of willpower required to never tell a lie, I mean, this is this is... This requires a significant amount of discipline. You know, we need to have a fair amount of control over ourselves in order to accomplish this. But could you think about what if we did establish ourselves in this practice how and what would this show those around us our friends colleagues partners how would they see and perceive us if we were established in satya because this is becoming more and more rare in our society and the intention behind so many people's words is selfish and for their own gain or they're trying to in some way manipulate us or the situation or flaws in their character are freely expressed in what they say, nasty things they say, gossip, 
just talking about things that have no value. We all know somebody who talks incessantly about themselves and their lives and silly conversations that are of no value to others. But if you did manage to stay disciplined in this practice of satya, you immediately show those around you that you have little to no desire to exploit or take advantage of others, not just them, but others. And this breeds trust. And trust is a very powerful thing. It's through trust that we form deep, authentic connections with others. Connections that so many of us complain is lacking. So many people are struggling with superficial relationships or interactions that don't go beyond the weather or sport and they're craving something deeper, craving something more. That comes from trust and trust comes from this practice of truth. So if we want to have more authentic, deep connections, we need to start looking at our ability to practice truth in order to build trust. We're all becoming more and more savvy, more and more aware of superficial insincere and we're all craving something a little more and so this practice of satya is important for all of us but those of you who are teaching please make this a priority because if you want your students to trust you If you want your students to be able to grow in their practice, you need to be able to form real authentic connections with them. And in order to do that, they need to see your ability to be truthful, be honest, not exploit them, 
just because you want to have larger class numbers or because you want something from them, but because you actually genuinely care and want to offer up what you have, your knowledge. Remember, speech is for the transferal of one's knowledge to others. It shouldn't be devoid of value. I hope you found that helpful. If you have any questions, just pop them in the comments section on the blog. And um, I hope to see you at the studio soon. Thanks and bye for now.